Hiring? With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to over 100 plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut to try it for free today. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Back here on the First Cut podcast here on CBS Sports, Kyle Porter on location at the 2017 U.S. Open in Aaron Hills, Wisconsin. First U.S. Open in Wisconsin. Uh, he, he made the long trek from his home in uh, in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. You've been on the road for 19 hours, and you're ready to make some picks. I'm ready to be out of uh, a car with three kids is what I'm ready for, Chip. How, how, um, many, how many bathroom breaks did we need? You know, they were um, they were better than expected. You know, I, I think that uh, we set that we set our expectations in the dirt. It's kind of like <laughs> it's kind of like an amateur making the uh, U.S. Open. You just kind of set expectations that, like, well, if I shoot better than like 87, 87, then it's been a good week. And they far exceeded them. So I was uh, <laughs> I was pleasantly surprised. It was great. None of the. Uh None of the amateurs made your rootability index, and here in this uh, official U.S. Open preview show, we're going to talk rootability, we're going to talk sleepers, we're going to go over some props, we're going to share our picks uh, to win, uh, but is there one amateur that player that fans should keep their eye on that you like to maybe have their own, uh, like John Rahm, for example, uh, the lo- low amateur at Oakmont a year ago, who's, who's maybe next in line of all the amateurs that are in the field? Oh, there's some, there's some, none of them name, made my rootability because I made that more based on who I thought had a legitimate chance to win. Oh, okay. But, yeah. And none of the amateurs we're going to include in that conversation. Yeah. There, there's some guys who I think are going to be super interesting in terms of um, how they're going to play. You've got Stuart Hagestead, who is uh, the reigning mid am champ, finished as a low am at the Masters. Uh, he's, he's, uh, <laughs> he's another guy, good friends with Jordan Speed, just like Justin Thomas. Um, but he's he's a really good player. You know, he qualified out in California. Um, he he plays these amateur tournaments all over the country. I think he's going to be super interesting. Brad Dalkey, uh, OU golfer, he finished runner up at the U.S. Amateur last summer and uh, just is coming off a, a national title with the Sooners. Uh, he played in the Masters, missed the cut by a couple of strokes, but he's going to be interesting. And then. Um, uh, the top two, I believe, amateurs in the world, Maverick McNeely. Uh, of Stanford, and then uh, the other guy whose name uh, escapes me. Um, I, I don't know if I can pronounce it either, but to have the top two amateurs in the world, I, I think that's going to be interesting. And if you look back in recent years, you've got some pretty good names that finished as the low am at this tournament. Jordan Spieth did it in 2012, Matthew Fitzpatrick in 2014 at Pinehurst, uh, and then obviously, like you said, John Rahm uh, last year. And now, you know, 12 months later, he's probably one of the five or six biggest favorites to, to win the tournament as a pro. So it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting week for the amateurs. There's 14 of them in the field, which is a pretty big number uh, for this tournament. Let's uh, let's start there with John Rahm. What are your expectations uh, for like the, the hottest, the hottest thing that golf has had in terms, like in terms of a meteoric rise, this is, uh, this has got to be uh, one for the ages. And as uh, Kyle has identified, as we have talked about on this podcast, like we're all in like this, he is going to be a player that will be in the conversation for a long, long time. Health provided can be the number one player in the world can be a multiple time major winner. Um, you know, if you were to set an over under for where you finish, where you expect him to finish on the leaderboard, you know, what's it look like? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Uh, Joaquin Neiman, by the way, is the number one amateur in the world. He's from uh, Chile, so he's also on the field. But um, in terms of John Rahm, I, I think I think you got to set it at, at ten and a half. You know, is he in the top ten or is he outside of the top ten? It sounds crazy, but since he finished, I believe it was T twenty three at at Oakmont last year. He's he's got like nine or ten top tens on the PGA Tour, which is, I think, the most of anybody. I think in that uh, Justin, in that time period for sure. In that time period, I think Justin Ray of Golf Channel tweeted that out that since John Rom turned pro, nobody has more top tens on the PGA Tour than John Rom, which is uh, absurd for for a twenty two year old. Um, so I think it's I think it's that top ten number. You know, I, I think that winning U.S. Opens is hard, man. Like it's really really hard and. He certainly has the physical ability to do it. I, I don't I don't get too caught up in the, you know, he gets too emotional and, and stuff like that. But there was an interesting thing. Uh, Chris Solomon of No Lane Up wrote a really good piece on the memorial a couple weeks ago. And he said that Rom was just like, he, he, it's not that he was out of control, but he was just getting really heated over little stuff mm-hmm. that would happen, like a, a, a phone going off or whatever, like just like losing his mind over over really little things early on in the tournament. And it's like, I don't know if you can sustain that over over four days of a U.S. Open. So that part is mildly concerning. Um, but yeah, I think, I think his expectation and fans' expectation, who maybe have not heard of him, um, is that he should finish in, in the top 10. He's in, he's a top 10 player in the world playing in, in one of the biggest tournaments. I, I think that should be the uh, kind of the mindset going in. I've got him uh, out of the top 10, I think. And this is just totally uh, gut call because it's fun to do that when you have to make predictions all the time. Uh, I think I think this is where John Rom gets humbled. I, I'm going miscut. Yeah, I mean, that's not a... It, that's not crazy. And, like, and, and that's I think the thing that, is it, it goes against the idea, you know, given the way he can hit the ball, given the fact that length is uh, one of the big themes that we've got at, at Aaron Hills for the, as the longest uh, track in U S open history. Like I just, you know, if, if you've got that, when you're humming that high, if there's anything that's shaky, if there's any time in a PGA tour schedule where you could end up just getting got, I mean, isn't the U S open one of those spots? Yeah, I think so. You know, I, I think that with with him, for me, I, I look at the the shot shaping ability that he has, and it is outrageous. It's so you know, pretty. Low ball fight, high ball fight, cuts, you know, fades, draw, just everything. And so w- when I look at that, I, I say, you know, okay, you got Aaron Hills this week that that sort of looks like a, you know, it was it was made in Scotland, and those are the types of shots that you have to hit at a British open. So I, I think that his, like the way he hits shots actually plays pretty well here. I think it plays pretty well at British opens. Um, now he also has, like, I think his natural ball fight is really, really high, kind of like a Jason day. So, um, you know, that's also good. Like it, it, again, like all these, all these ball fights and, and shots that he can hit are good things. And I think that they play, maybe even better this week than they would at a traditional PGA Tour event. So that's the part that gives me pause. It's like, wait, is this guy going to win this thing? Yeah. Um, I don't think he is just because it's so hard to do. And it's – I've got uh, – and we'll talk about picks later on. i got somebody else uh, that's also in the top ten in the world winning. But I could see him playing really, really well uh, just, he, just as he's done for the last 12 months. John Rahm, number seven uh, on the rootability rankings. want to talk about number one going – with Ricky Fowler, uh, who I had penciled in as my winner 
until uh, Memphis, why should mm. I not be concerned? Like, am I am I going to end up eating my words on uh, making the quick switch after uh, he didn't he didn't play real well, miss a cut, um, and I I don't know where where's your head at with Ricky Fowler? You got him number one, and look, people are going to lose their mind. Like American golf fans are going to lose their minds when. Not yeah. if, but when Ricky Fowler wins the U.S. Open, he's played too well, um, and he is uh, he is an easy he's an easy to like, easy to root for player. Um, where where do you stack him up right now in terms of his odds to be able to win this thing? Well, you know, I, I have him number one, obviously, like you said, for rootability, just because I think it is it's a fun story. Like you said, for American golf, uh, he's easy to like. He's easy to root for. He doesn't have a major. He can kind of get in that Spieth, Day, Rory conversation. Not completely. I mean, Rory is, I think, and, and Spieth are above the other guys and Rory's above Spieth. But you can at least start to talk about it um, with some substance there. Um, I Fowler's tough because I'm with you. I think he wins an open. I don't know if it's U.S. or British, but here's the reality. He missed a cut last week at St. Jude. Uh, he did play really well at Memorial the week before that. Um, but then the other thing, he's missed the last two U.S. Open cuts. Missed it at Oakmont and missed it at Chambers Bay. I don't remember Chambers Bay, what happened, but I do know last year during Oakmont, he was putting horrendously. Uh, that has uh, been remedied, and and he's uh, before St. Jude, he was the only player on tour to be in the top ten in both strokes gained driving and strokes gained putting. So um, that's that that plays pretty well. That's usually a good thing. Um, I, I think he's I, I think he should be considered right there with you know the the Jason days and and the DJs and those guys. Maybe maybe slightly behind them, but just. I mean, he's one of, I think, the 12 guys that I could easily see winning this week. All right, so Jordan Spieth is going into this week, and we're thinking, I'm going to go. Um, I think that he, Jordan Spieth, definite made cut, and I'm going to set the over-under on the leaderboard at like six and a half. That's a good number. I, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say he finishes like sixth. Yeah. Um, I You know, Spieth is somebody who – I'll tell you what. I like what you said uh, in the last episode. He's, he's just the best ball striker in the world. Yeah, he is. I mean, statistically, he's the best on the PGA Tour in approach shots this year of everybody that's qualified. Um, if he wins this week, we, we have to start talking in historical comparisons because – Three majors at the age of 23, that's that's Tiger, Nicholas, uh, Rory territory. You know, there's only and, – and speaking of Rory, there's only uh, three guys who have, who have ever won five before the age of 30. Mm. And that's that's Tiger, Tiger Woods, Jack Nicholas, Bobby Jones. Those are, those are the only three guys that have won five majors or more before the age of 30. Rory's got four, and he's got eight more shots at winning number five. Jordan Spieth has two, and he's got, uh, I believe, like 26 more shots right. at, at, at getting to five. Now, I, there's, you know, winning three majors is a lot of majors, but I'm saying if he wins this week, then that historical, you know, trajectory starts to starts to heat up a little bit for Jordan Spieth. I've got Jordan Spieth finishing number five, rounding out my my prediction for the top five I, I i feel like he's a top five lock i don't know why it's just uh that's like this is um 
This is fun. This is this is the good. This is the good uh, reset. You know, I think you mentioned it last week. You come out of that lull, and we just get all the best players in the world back together, competing yeah. against each other. Um, and to that point, so where are we at with Rory? You know, we the the message has been Rory will play, uh, but health absolutely still worth considering if you're talking about picking them for any kind of finish. Um, you know, for your fantasy golf team or whatever, like what, what do you think is a reasonable expectation for McElroy uh, at Aaron Hills? Well, th- this is unfortunate because Rory at a rain soaked Aaron Hills should probably win or, or like lose in a playoff or something. Um, just because it's a huge track, the fairways are forever wide um, you don't get these crazy putting surfaces like you saw at Chambers Bay, um, but the re- but the thing is like he he hasn't been able to to practice that much. I think he said that on Tuesday, like just because of the rib slash back injury. There's not a there's not necessarily an issue like with him swinging. It's just that he can't he can't do it too much to prepare, and so I just don't I don't know. I struggle with him because like. It feels like his talent is going to win out and he's still going to finish in the top five or top ten. But I just I, I don't know if he's going to be sharp enough to be able to do that. I, I don't think that he'll win the tournament this week. Ooh, I why. Well, right, so over under finish uh, 14 and a half. Yeah, that's that's probably the right number. Um, <laughs> going low on going low on Sunday to backdoor a top 10 <laughs> is probably most likely. Well, that's I mean. Chambers Bay finished T10 and he shot like a, I don't know, 68 on Sunday or something. Missed a cut at Oakmont last year. I, I guess I'd go under just because the, the talent is prodigious and he didn't, he played not well at the players and still finished in the top 25 or 30 or whatever. Um, and this is, it, it, you know, this is a course chip that's, it's, it's almost PGA championship like, and it's, uh, just how big it is. Like he loves those big ballparks. Like if if the PGA Championship went to um, went to like Valhalla or, or uh, y- you know s- somewhere like that, this sh- congressional or whatever. This like this huge ball. Like he would win like twenty five majors. You know, <laughs> um, and that, and that's sort of how the it's it. You know, it's still a US is that a fans. personality thing? Like he just loves these like big wide open tracks where he can just unleash everything in his driver. Yeah, just let it eat. Oh, you know? let it and, eat. Yeah, and, and that's when he's at his best. Is just when he's when he's not thinking about stuff. And this this has always been my case for why he should like go up to the Masters on Thursday morning uh, before <laughs> before he plays. Like, just don't even think about it. Just go. Just go. You know, if if somebody announced like, here's the thing. If somebody t- like texted every PGA Tour player randomly on like a Tuesday morning and said, get to. Uh, get to where any course pebble get to pebble in the next six hours and we're going to play a tournament 18 hole or 36 holes and the winner gets 20 million dollars and everybody flew their jets out there or whatever rory would win that tournament by five because (laughs) just because there'd be no pressure like there would be no mind games to it yeah yeah absolutely there's nothing nothing to think about nothing to prepare for he might win it by like two over dj but it would be those two guys because they're the, they're the 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 biggest and best talents in terms of just pure swing and and uh, and just you know hitting the ball forever. Oh man! Um, well, 
Everyone knows that as you're trying to uh, assemble any good team or any winning team, uh, having the right roster is absolutely the key. And the same is true in business. And you can't find the best candidates if you post your jobs to only one site. You really need to post them to all the top job sites, and you can do that with ZipRecruiter. At ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then their powerful technology takes over. It efficiently matches the right people to your position. You don't have to worry about the emails. You don't have to worry about the calls. You would get to screen, rate, and manage all your candidates in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Do you want to get on with ZipRecruiter? I know you do because the First Cut listeners have an incredible deal from ZipRecruiter, you can start forming your own winning team for free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. Try it for free today at ZipRecruiter.com slash first cut. One of the favorite things that uh, everyone loves when they're uh, when they're filling out their office pools, their fantasy golfs, um, everyone wants to identify a couple good sleepers Kyle, who you got on your sleeper list right now uh, as we sit here just days away from the start of the Open? Well, we talked about this uh, briefly in our uh, previous podcast, but uh, I really like uh, Jason Duffner. You know, he, he's, got, he's got three top tens in the last five U.S. Opens, which is uh, tied for second most behind Jason Day with Dustin Johnson. There's the only three guys with three or more in the last five. That's pretty good company. It's really good company. Yeah. He's coming off. He's coming off his win, uh, obviously at the Memorial. He's playing really well. If, if he just doesn't put himself out of it over the first two days, I think that I, I think his number. Last time I looked, it was like sixty to one. Damn, um, which is a pretty good number. Yeah, you know? I, I'd rather it be like eighty, but um, I'll take sixty. It probably was eighty, honestly, before he won the Memorial. Uh, but I'll take I'll take sixty with the way he's performed at at U.S. Opens in the past. What do you think about Lucas Glover, the 2009 champ? Uh, I got him. He was my he was my pick for sleepers. Uh, currently number nine on the tour in strokes gained off the tee and number three in greens and regulation. Now, are my numbers enough to convince you that my uh, dartboard pick is going to end up being good? Um. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it didn't sound I, confident, Kyle. Well, I just hope he doesn't have a five footer to win it on Sunday. Ooh, um, because that is—it's uh, just—it's tough to watch, honestly. Like, his—it's just—it's rough. You know, it's incredible that he—that he's won as much as he has um, with the way he puts. He—he—he's an unbelievable ball striker. He's unbelievable with his irons to to be able to contend with the way that. I mean, he—he. He, routinely i think finishes outside of the top i don't know 170 or 180 in strokes gain putting it's just it's just not good you know and so oh no he uh, yeah he's he is uh his putting statistics are horrendous yeah it's awful but what was the number you said you got him at uh 125 to one yeah it's not bad um he contended. Where did he contend a couple weeks ago? Or uh, he shot like a sixty-five in the in the final round of the players. Right. So yeah, I mean I, that's one hundred twenty-five to one hundred twenty-five to one is fine. But the guy that I like more than that, I think I saw him at two fifty to one, is uh, Jordan Niebury. Now I'm partly picking him because as a sleeper because. Uh, we share an alma mater, Oklahoma State, but also because he uh, finished T6 at the British Open 
at St. Andrews um, as an amateur, which is a joke. And uh, he's from Wisconsin. He's played this course a lot. Like, I think he played, I want to say he played the US Am there in 2011 when Kelly Kraft beat Patrick Cantlay. Um, he, he talked about after he qualified, just he's played it so many times. He knows where to hit the shots, he knows where to miss, he knows all these different things. 250 is, I mean, you take a fire on anybody, right. you know? Um, and so I, I just, I, I'm, I'm in on him contending and, and potentially as a long shot winner at 250 to one. What do you think about Bryson DeChambeau? Oh, BDC. <laughs> is there a, is, is there a fifth round? That's like the a physics exam. Or something? <laughs> I mean, well, all right. So he's played here, right? 2011 amateur. Um, yeah. and he had to qualify on in. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's, it's crazy odds. Really big long shot. I don't yeah, know. I mean, he, he's had a lot of success at USGA events in the past. I, I, you remember last year, I think he was in one of the final three groups. I mean, it was a quirky Sunday because you had multiple rounds. I mean, it was just kind of a mess on Sunday because everybody was playing different rounds or whatever. But he was uh, he was in it at the end of the US Open at Oakmont last year. He was contending. It, you know, it was going to be this crazy story where an amateur wins the US Open. Was he still an amateur then? He was. He might have heard- no, he went pro right after. Uh, yeah, after the Masters. Masters. Yeah, he did. He and then he qualified in, so he's qualified two years in a row. He clearly likes USGA uh, setups and events or whatever. So if you if you can do it at like what is he 200, 250, 300? Yeah, it's like two fifty or three hundred. It's long, if, long, long, you, long odds. If you can get him over two hundred, then I'm fine with it. All right, uh, we've we've beat around some of these names. Uh, we got to get some picks now. Uh, you. You did not. So you've got your sleeper. What about your my top? Sleep, t- you, yeah, you just yeah, mentioned your sleeper. What's your top yeah, ten lock? Uh, my top ten lock is Jason Day. He's finished. <laughs> he's finished in the top ten f- f- the, each of the last four years and five of the last six. That's absurd. And and people don't, for whatever reason, like I know he's being mentioned as a favorite, but it feels like he's being mentioned as a favorite more because he's a top three, you know, five player in the world, and not because he's had so much success at U.S. Opens in recent years. I mean, that's an, that's an incredible statistic. No, he's it is not, uh, and the public perception is against that. I even yeah. admitted that. Yeah, yeah, it is. So he's my lock for top ten, and then my winner. I've got DJ. I don't feel great about it just because of how hard it is to repeat because he's not been as sharp as he was uh, pre pre Augusta, whatever happened there, the thing we, that we will not speak of. Right. Um, but are you starting to think more and more? Are you starting to agree with the conspiracy theorists as time has passed? Or are you starting to settle in more with the narrative? Oh, I love conspiracy theories. <laughs> I, I, I think that, I mean, this was, uh, we talked about Occam's razor a couple of weeks ago. This is an Occam's razor thing to me. I don't know if, did we talk about it in reference to this or was it something else? No, it was something else. It okay. Was, yeah. So th- this, this too, like, it's just the, the thing that is most likely to be true probably is, but, uh, I got him winning. I, I think that, um, we talked it about means, it with tiger. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, he's finished in the top DJ's finished in the top five each of the last three years, which is, which is wild. I mean, that's, that's even that might be even crazier than than Jason Day doing top ten in the last four, but um, yeah, I mean he's just I, I I wrote this on Monday, but I think he's built to win U.S. Opens just the way he hits it, the way that he doesn't 
stuff just doesn't seem to get to him like it does other guys. I, I think that uh, I think he's going to have a real chance to to su- successfully defend this week at uh, Aaron Hills. Top five in order: Dustin Johnson, Daniel Berger. What's up? Daniel Berger calling his shot at number two. Uh, Jason Duffner at number three, a player that, like Jason Day and Dustin Johnson, has been pretty strong here at the U.S. Open. Jason Day, you've got it. You're number four. And Brooks Kepka. Big week for Brooks. Yeah, Kepka has finished top ten two of the last three years. Uh, played well at Memphis. Uh, kind of gets lost in the shuffle a little bit amongst the Justin Thomases and Jordan Spieths. Uh, huge ballpark. He should play well. The other guy I didn't have on there, but that I that I kind of like this week, Chip, is uh, Tommy Fleetwood. Your not boy. Just be, a not a just guest of this, this podcast. Yeah, not just because he's the only player we had on this podcast. Uh, but I, he's just I, – I don't know his U.S. Open finishes. Um, I have not looked them up. I just – I think he's a good player. And I think that uh, really good ball strikers, which he is, uh, kind of kind – of, you know, eventually emerge if if they're playing well. Uh, and then the other guy, uh, this is just, I just thought of this, but uh, Thomas Peters. Mm, a lot of reason to like Thomas Peters right now. He would be the first guy in 104 years since Francis we met in the 1913 U.S. Open, which was not playing over 7,700 yards, um, to to win in his first attempt at the tournament. So that would be uh, that'd be a pretty cool story. I've got uh, Jordan Spieth as my number five, Dustin Johnson in at my number four. He's also my top ten lock. Adam Scott at number three uh, on my board. I like that. Yeah, he's just – but you know what? He was real easy to put in my top five, real hard to pull the trigger on Adam Scott winning. That's the story of his career, right? Right. I know. I can't then like at, at majors anyway. He's won twelve times, but he's only got one major. I've got Ricky Fowler as my uh number two. And again, I bumped him to the side uh because of Memphis. I had him as my number one and uh I slid my number two pick from my top five up to my number one when I had to submit it. And that's Justin Rose. Wow. Yeah, I I like that, you know. He gets – he's another guy that when these majors come around, you're like, oh, yeah, Justin Rose is awesome at golf. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we just don't think about him that much. I don't know if that's because he's forgettable or he doesn't play as much on the PGA Tour as some guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if we got a, a little uh, Masters Redux this week with him and uh, with him and Sergio. Sergio's uh, one of only four guys to make the, the cut in each of the last five U.S. Opens. Ooh. So Sergio, um, way, Sergio should be taken seriously. I if, if that's your t- if your top five is your actual top five on Sunday, Fox is going to be bathing in champagne <laughs> over over the Radiance Bonanza. They're going to receive for that top five. Ricky, Justin, Ricky, Adam, DJ, and Jordan Spieth. Oh my gosh! You might as well just resurrect Tiger's career and roll him out there. <laughs> Um, our editor Adam Silverstein went with Billy Horschel as his sleeper. Go Gators! Um, it, Billy, it, I I have moved Billy Horschel into the category uh, that you have established. Um, just a momentum golfer, you know. Yeah. Could it? Yeah. Could it happen? Sure. I don't. I just. I feel like that's a that's an added probability, you know, at, to the equation, which is going to make me shy away from it. Well, he's got he hit like uh, seventy five out of seventy two greens in regulation in two thousand thirteen at Marion, 
I think he finished fourth that week. He's been pretty good at U.S. Opens. Um, I don't know if he's got enough pop here. Um, I say that I, I called Brant Snedeker a sleeper. So if, <laughs> if Horschel if doesn't have enough pop, then Snedeker definitely doesn't. But um, Snedeker can, can make up for it a, a lot of times with his with his short game. Um, Horschel, I think I think Horschel's a great great sleeper. I haven't I don't remember what his number is, sixty or eighty or whatever, but. If it's if it's eighty or, or higher, I think that would be a, a great pick. All right, let's uh, let's let's run through uh, some of these props. Uh, in the last one, we talked about what will the lowest score be? Uh, sixty six. Uh, Kyle thinks you might get a sixty five, maybe a sixty four out there. Uh, yeah, I think I think it'll be over. I think it'll okay. probably be sixty seven or sixty six, right on the number. Sixty six is what I had. Um, what do you think the will? List. I love this one. Will the winner come from behind to win? Yes is at minus 200. No is at plus 160. That's tough. Um, I've got DJ winning. So I, uh, he came from behind last year, though, because Shane Lowry was up by like five. Right. Um, I guess I'll say yes at minus 200. I'm oh, fine with that. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm totally fine with that because it, it pairs nicely in the will there be a wire to wire winner? So obviously we were both gonna go no, but uh like no way you get a wire to wire winner at the US Open, right? I mean you only get five to one if you say yes. That's not that's not good. That's not worth it. So yeah, I'll say no. Um final margin of victory. We got uh a top uh, got, you got it pulled up? Yeah, I've got it pulled up. Ooh, this is tasty. Um, six or more is plus six hundred. That's fun. Uh, I've got. I'll say three. I like three. That, yeah, the the plus six. The its payoff is uh, a tire or playoff is plus two seventy five. One stroke win plus two eighty. Uh, three strokes all the way up to plus six hundred. Four strokes at plus eight hundred. Uh, man, three strokes is fun. I think I'm going to. I think this yeah. is tight. This is like I, I could see if the weather calms down, we get beautiful conditions on Sunday. It's just an all out sprint out there. I totally agree. It won't be a wire to wire winner, but man, it's got to be close, right? Yeah, I, I would be surprised. I, I think this is a course that's going to, or a, a, a leaderboard that's going to play like a master's leaderboard where you see maybe a, a lower type score win, like a nine or 10 under, but. Um, you see a bunched up, you know, you see like a bunch of sixes, fives, fours, threes, but you know, just a, a lot of people up there. All right. Uh, the most strokes recorded on any hole over under eight and a half. Oh my gosh. Uh, well, there's a hole that's going to play like, uh, 680 yards. Uh, I don't think that will be necessarily the one that, that this number comes on. I mean, it could so be. Well, you know, you three jacket at the end of really fighting your way to the end of that 680 yard. I mean, we're talking uh, all, you know, this is just over under on whether or not you're going to score a quad on a par five. I'm going to say, I'm going to say under. Oh, I'm going over, baby. We're going to see a nine. We're (laughs) definitely going to see a nine somewhere on this course. It'll be, it'll be fescue or something. It'll be a nine. Well, these numbers were put out there before the USGA fired up the, the the, mowers. Yeah, fired up. The, I was trying to think of a mower brand name. I, nothing comes to mind. But uh, the Hondas, <laughs> the Hondas, the Stillmans. To, yeah, to to they probably brought Louis Oosthuizen's tractors in to mow it down. 
Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll say under. All right. Um, and will Steve Stricker make the cut? Plus mm-hmm. two hundred on yes, minus two fifty on no. I'll say yes. That's a that's a fun story. I, I think that. I mean, Stricker has made I want to say eight consecutive cuts here. Uh, now, the qualifier there is he he hasn't. Uh, that wasn't a pun, but he hasn't qualified for the actual tournament the last two years. But when he has, but when he has, each of the last, I think it's eight or nine years, he's he's made the cut. Nice. Uh, he is Kyle Porter. Follow him from Aaron Hills at Kyle Porter CBS. Uh, you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Uh, Kyle, take it easy out there. Don't get lost in the fescue, and uh, we'll look forward to linking back and hearing about all the sights and sounds from the first U.S. Open in the state of Wisconsin. Awesome. Thanks, Chip. I'm looking forward to it.